0: We are going to look at how to regain your joy. How to regain your joy. And we'll look at the source of joy. we want to look at the source of joy. Because once you understand who the source of joy is, that makes a big difference. That makes a big difference. Then you know where to go and get what you need. Because what I've noticed, it's most of us, we, we run to wrong places. We run to to wrong places, we run to wrong people and expect that we'll get our joy from them. Then we get disappointed. We, We look for joy from wrong people and from wrong things. Jesus once said to his disciples, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things, things, things will follow things will follow. It's like when we have a truck and a trailer, you have to focus on the truck, the trailer will follow. Unfortunately, most Christians, they run after things with the hope that the the truck will follow. That's not how it works. The kingdom of God must be a priority in everything that we do in our lives. The kingdom of God must be a priority in everything that we do in our lives. And we're going to focus on, you know, like I say, this is the Bible study. We're going to study the Bible. And if you expected anything else, you might get disappointed because you're going to focus on studying the Bible. And the theme or the topic for today is how to regain your, your joy. How to regain your joy. Those of us who have been with us this year, ever since we started, we have been focusing on the book of John for the past four months, and we'll continue with that. Uh, even today, there is so much that you can learn from this book, there is so much that you can learn from the book of John, so um, let's look at this map here, let's look at this map here, now this is a map of the world, I've just, you know, uh, this is Africa, this is Africa, just want to show you where we are, i spend the next minute or so. Some of you are here in South Africa. When you go north, is Zimbabwe. Then we have Malawi, we have Zambia, we have Tanzania. We have Rwanda, Uganda, you know, we have uh, South Sudan, we have Sudan, we have Egypt. Then this is the Red Sea. When you cross from Egypt to the other side, you cross the Red Sea to the other side, then you're in the Middle East. Now in the Middle East, uh, then you come to, Israel, this is Israel across here, this is Israel. Now in Israel, we have Jerusalem. That's a capital city, but Israel has three sections. We have the northern section and the southern section and the middle section. The northern section, that's the Galilee area here. And south here, that's where we have what we call Judea. Judea in the middle here, that's where we have Samaria. And that's why when Jesus had to move from Jerusalem to Judea, he had to go through Samaria. You remember, you remember John chapter four, when he met the woman, the woman at the well? It's because Samaria, it's in between. And we're going to spend some time uh, in this area here. And what you're going to look at is, we'll go up here. If you look at, this is the Sea of Galilee. Actually, some of the members of my church right now, they are here, they're in the Sea of Galilee. They left yesterday, probably they they will arrive, they arrived today or so. So they are here, uh, Tiberias, that's where Bishop Tony is right now, he's in Tiberias, waiting for them. Now, what we are going to look at is Bethsaida here. Bethsaida, that's the northern part of the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee, actually, it's not a sea, it's a big lake, it's a big lake, and it's the main source of fresh water in this area, in this part of, of Israel. So Bethsaida, that's where uh, we'll look at and there are quite a number of stuff that I want us to uh, to learn from that, amen? So that's what we will be doing today. That's what we'll be focusing on uh, today. Now, I want us to go back to uh, you know what I uh, I just shared with you and I want us to look at the map again, the map that we, we just shared. We'll get closer now. We want to get closer into that map, into that area that we have just uh, seen, into that area. So, this area that we, we are looking at right now, this is the, remember I showed you the bigger map, this is Judea, this is Samaria in between, and this is Galilee in the north. This is Galilee in the north. But what we'll be focusing on is this area here in Galilee. Another thing that I want us to look at is uh, this, now we are zooming into the Galilee area now. When you zoom into the Galilee, this is the Sea of Galilee. This is Bethsaida, that's where, uh, that's the the town that we'll focus on uh, today. So we have all this area, Capernaum or Capernaum, this is where the headquarters of Jesus' ministry was. Uh, We have Magdala, remember Mary Magdala? She was from this uh, town here, Magdala. Tiberias. So uh, uh, this, this is the area that I was saying that that's where most of our uh, church members are. In that time we went to Israel, it's one of the hotels that we stayed in here in Tiberias. It's a very, very close uh, area. Actually, some people, they believe that Peter was born here in Tiberias. And here with Nazareth, that's where Jesus grew up. Remember Jesus grew up in Nazareth? It's here, it's a very small village It's still there even today. And here it's Cana. Cana, that's where Jesus performed this first miracle. Uh, you know, the miracle of changing water into, into wine. And this is the, the river Jordan. The river, river Jordan, it connects the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea down here. So we have the, uh, the river Jordan in between. So what you're going to look at today, is we're going to look at John. John, who wrote the book of John. We're going to spend some time uh, looking at that. Now, the book of John, the author of the book of John, like the name says, it's John. John who was a disciple of Jesus. You know, always he calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. The disciple whom Jesus loved. So he believed that Jesus loved him more than all these other disciples. Uh, If you look at, I think it's John chapter 13, verse 23. Now let's go back to Bethesda. Bethesda, Bethesda, the the small town that I showed you in the northern part of the Sea of Galilee. That's where John was born. John, the guy who wrote the book of John. That's where he was born. John had a family. Actually, in the family, he had his father. The name of his father was Zebedee. The name of his father was Zebedee, and the name of his mother was Salome. Salome, and he had a brother. The name of his brother was James. And this is very important as we, as we continue. The name of his brother was James. Salome, it is believed that Salome was Mary's sister. Remember Mary, the mother of Jesus? So scholars believe that uh, Salome was Jesus' aunt, and James and John were Jesus' cousins, so they were related. If you look in, you know, towards the end, when Jesus was right at the cross, he, he, he instructed John to take care of his mother, to take care of his mother. And that is very significant to me as I studied the Bible, and I studied the word of God. When Jesus left his mother with uh, his mother Mary, when he left her with, with John and said, John, please take care of my mother. What it means to me is John stayed with Jesus' mother, Mary. And guess what they were talking about every day when they were in the house, every day when they were at home, every day uh, because they didn't have TVs to watch. (laughs) What was, was he talking about? She was talking about the miracle of how a son was born. I could imagine John you know, keep on saying and say, grandma or aunt, please tell me again about that story. What did you say? You said the angel came. What did the angel say when he came to you? Now, so how, how, how did, uh, how did Uncle, Uncle Joseph take it? You know, and he had enough time, spent enough time to talk about the birth of Jesus. And Mary will keep on repeating the stories of how the the angel visited her, the stories of what happened before Jesus was born, the story of how she was told that she has been favored among all women. Mary will keep on telling John about how Jesus grew up. I could imagine Mary, the mother of Jesus. And John, if there's anybody who spent a lot of time with Mary, Who knew this thing of the birth of Jesus? It's John. It's John. So John has the right, he has the credentials to write anything about Jesus because he he knew Jesus from death. James, the brother of John, he was the first apostle to be martyred, to be killed by Herod for his faith. You remember in the book of Acts chapter 12, Herod, after he killed James. And he realized that he has pleased a lot of people. He arrested Peter also under the killing. And in Acts chapter 12, remember the story of, of, of Peter being released from jail by the angel. And he went back to the house of John Mark. Remember John Mark? John Mark, the cousin of, uh, of Barnabas. Barnabas. So John Mark later he traveled with Barnabas and Paul in their first mission strip while Barnabas was pastoring the church in Antioch. So what happens here, we see how God set Peter free and he was not killed. But unfortunately, James, the other brother of, of John, he was killed around 44 4, AD or so. So what I'm saying to say is John had a unique relationship with Jesus. In actual fact, like I say, he always says he calls himself the disciple that Jesus loved. And when Jesus appointed John as one of the apostles, you remember, Jesus had a lot of disciples. He had a lot of, lot of followers, but he, he, he picked about 12 of them and he called them apostles. He called them apostles. So John was one of those 12 who were picked as apostles. John was the youngest apostle, he was the youngest, youngest, actually he was around 14 or 15 years old when he was, uh, when he was selected to be, one of the apostles, he was still young. He was still young. And because he was still young in terms of age, he was also the last one to die. He outlived all the other disciples, all the other uh, apostles. You know, he died around 90, almost 95 AD or so, right towards the end of the first century. So he lived a very long life. Jesus only lived 33 years. So you can tell the difference that, I mean, It means John lived almost six years more after Jesus has died. And another thing about John, he was one of the closest disciples who were part of Christ's inner cycles. You know, he was, Jesus had what we call an inner cycle, inner cycle of three, inner cycle of three. This was Peter and the two brothers, that's James and John. Those were the closest friends of Jesus. So John was an eyewitness of Jesus' ministry. He witnessed almost all the miracles that Jesus performed, but John decided to focus on only seven of them. He was at the front row, if if you would. Anytime Jesus uh, was was performing miracles, John was there when they were maybe at a conference or whatever, John was always among the first to be introduced like Peter. So he was at the front row. And John wrote about Jesus. He wrote books about what he has seen. And we'll see that as we, as we continue. What he wrote about, is what he has seen. He wasn't, remember, remember this, this is very interesting. When John wrote those books, he was not writing a Bible. <laughs> he was not writing a Bible. Nobody sat down one day and say, I want to start writing a Bible. There's nobody who ever did that. John was not writing a Bible. John was writing a book. Paul was not writing a Bible. He was writing letters to different cities, to different churches, different leaders. Mark, John Mark, not John Mark, the one that uh, when, when, when Peter, after he was released, and he went back to John Mark's house. By the way, John Mark's house, that's, uh, that's where the church was meeting. So when John Mark wrote the book of Mark, he was not writing a Bible, he was writing a book. By the way, John Mark was not one of the, the 12 disciples. He was not one of the 12 disciples, but he lived with his disciples for a very long time because these disciples that were hosting the church at his house, and that's how he got so much close uh, to people like Peter and other people. So he knew all these disciples' testimony. John wrote the book of John and three New Testament letters. The first uh, letter, the second letter and the third letter of John. And he also wrote the book of Revelation. I have heard people say the book of Revelations. Let me make a correction. It is not the book of Revelations. It's a book of Revelation. It's only one revelation. There are no two revelations or three revelations. It's a book of revelation without an S. That is very important to, uh, to note. So John, he wrote uh, his book. And this book of John, he wrote it was possibly towards the end of the century, around 85 to 95 AD. That's when he wrote uh, the book of, uh, of John, the book of John. Now, if you look at the book of John, the book of John is the fourth and the last gospel to be written. And this is an account of Jesus' life and his ministry. When you talk of the, of the gospels, you are talking about, about the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are the four gospels. You know, uh, maybe just could we say this, especially in case there's somebody who might be new in the faith. The Bible is divided into two sections. There's the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament and the New Testament. So the New Testament or the Old Testament, it's about, it just tells us about the history of the, of the Jewish nation, how it started and how God walked with them and until they, uh, they became a nation. And it took them through Egypt and all the way back to, uh, back to Israel or to Canaan. Now, the New Testament, it talks about, it focuses more on Jesus and his ministry, and also on what happened after Jesus uh, resurrected and he was, uh, and when he ascended, what happened after that. So, the book of, or the, the four Gospels, the book of Matthew, the book of Mark, and the book of Luke and John, they focus more on the life of Jesus. And the book of Acts, it focuses more on what happened after Jesus. Had left. Then from there, there were letters that were written by Paul, you know, to, to the different churches. And later, towards the end, we see John writing the book of Revelation that he received from, from God. That's in summary how the Bible is structured. Now, so Mark, he starts, if we read the book of Mark, he starts with the details of his baptism, of the baptism of Jesus, and he focuses on the adult ministry. When you look at the book of John. John is different because like Mark, Matthew, and Luke. Actually, Matthew and Luke, they even record the physical birth of Jesus. You know, every time during Christmas time, we're not to read the story of how Jesus was born. We go to the book of Matthew and Luke. You will never find that story in the book of John. You'll never find that story in the book of Mark. So John, he starts from the beginning of time. He starts from the beginning of time. John chapter 1, verse 1, he says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John focuses on the beginning, focuses on the first. You look at the, you know, the first miracle in Cana. So he focuses on the first every time. The book of John wants us to believe that Jesus is God, and that's the key of the book of John. John wants us to believe, wants to convince us to believe that Jesus is God. He is God who decided to come down in the form of a human being to save the world. That is what John wants us to to focus on. John begins with telling us of Jesus' origin, that Jesus came straight from heaven. He came straight from God. And John focuses on the mission of Jesus and the function of Jesus. So if you look at the book of John, that's what he's focusing on. And that's what he's focusing on. So some of the things that we see in the book of John, John states clearly his purpose of writing this gospel. And he stated towards the end, towards the end of the, uh, of his book. Towards the end of his book, John tells us why he wrote this book. He tells us why he wrote this book. John chapter 20, verse 30, he says, and many, not only one. Remember, we said he only focused on the main seven miracles. But John says and many other signs, many other signs, Truly, did, did Jesus in the presence of his disciples. This is the key. When he says in the presence of his disciples, it means there are some more miracles that he might have performed, not in public. But remember, John was in the inner cycle. So he knows what he's talking about. He knows what he's talking about. He says, this, these miracles are not even written in the books. Verse thirty-one. one he says, but these are written. The ones that I have focused, the ones that I have written here, that you might believe that Jesus is a Christ. Remember, Christ means the Messiah. Christ means the, the Messiah, the anointed one. So he says, I want you to believe that Jesus is not just an ordinary man. This one is unique, he's different. He's also the son of God. He came from God. He came directly from God. He's God. He just decided to come down in the form of a human being and that believing. He says, if you, if you believe that, if you believe that Jesus is the son of God, if you believe that Jesus came in the form of a human being, if you believe that Jesus is from God, he says, by believing, you might have life through his name. You might have life through his name. So John, John, he says the main purpose of excluding all the other miracles, in natural fact, John calls those miracles signs. He says, I, ex- I excluded a lot of miracles in my book because I want to focus more on these signs, on these miracles that I've shared with you so that you may believe the main purpose is us having faith in Christ, because our salvation is based on faith, not on deeds. We have to believe. We have to believe. If you do not believe, there's no way you will have eternal life. And that's what John is focusing on. That's what he's focusing on. So the Gospel of John contains less narrative stories, but it it, it has more of dialogues. And the purpose of those dialogues, it was leading people to, to faith. You look at you know, John chapter 3, we meet the dialogue between Jesus and Nicodemus. John chapter 4, the woman at the well. John chapter 5, the pool of Bethesda. John chapter 8, we see the adulterous woman. It's a dialogue that Jesus had with people. And the main purpose of those dialogues was to direct people to Jesus as a Christ. So John does not aim to chronicle or write the history of the whole life of Jesus. That's not the purpose of the book of John. He does not think that the world will contain such a big document because there's a lot that Jesus did in that three and a half years. But he presents a few miracles, and he calls those miracles signs, signs. And he says those miracles, those signs, they should compel us to believe in Jesus. He wants us to start believing the truth. He wants us to believe the truth. Because Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Unfortunately, some people still continue to believe the lies. Some people, they believe their culture. They believe that their culture is much more important than the, than the word of God. They believe that the lies are more important than the word of God. John says, I want you to believe the truth. I want you to believe the truth. That is very important. I want to share with you here. Let me show you how the book of John is structured, the book that you are talking about uh, today. Now, the Gospel of John, if you look right from left, we have the divisions, we have the topics, and we have the places where uh, it took place and the time that it took. And the author, of course, is the Apostle John. John. Now, let's look at the... uh, you know, the, the first two chapters, they're the manifestation of the Son of God. That's where John identified but Jesus as the Son of God. Now, let's go to uh, chapter three and chapter four. The ministry to individuals by the Son of God. And chapter six and chapter, through chapter eight, the ministry of the, to the multitudes by the Son of God. Remember chapter three, that's what I talked about. Chapter three, that's where he talked with Nicodemus. Chapter four, that's where he talked with the, the woman and the well. So those, those two or three chapters, they focus on Jesus ministering to individuals. Then from chapter six to chapter eight, now he talked to, uh, to the public. He ministers to the public. And chapter nine through chapter 12, that's when they wanted to kill Jesus. And this includes, you know, the resurrection of Lazarus in chapter 11. And from chapter 13 to chapter 17, here he's focusing only on the disciples. He spent time with, he started to withdraw from the crowds from chapter 13 to chapter, four, chapter 17. Anything that you read in the book of John from chapter 13, chapter 14, chapter 15, 16, and 17, he was focusing only on his disciples. He was talking with his disciples. It was through a private uh, ministry. It was a sermon uh, through the private ministry. Then from chapter 18 through 21, that's when Jesus, uh, you know, was arrested and he died and resurrected. Now, if you look at chapter 1 through chapter 12, that, those, were, those were signs. Those were signs. Those were the miracles that Jesus performed. But from chapter 13, you don't see any sign. From chapter 13, all the to 21 in the book of John, there is no miracle there. It's all about teachings actually from 13 to 17 was giving them the final instructions before he died. And that's what we focused on last week for those who are with us. If you're not here, please go back to our uh, podcast drmanasse.com and you'll be able to listen to the audios and be able to see what we talked about last week. So the public ministry of Jesus was from chapter 1 all the way to chapter 12 and from chapter 13 he withdrew from the crowds and he spent time with his disciples. He spent time with his disciples. Now, if you look at chapter one through chapter 12, it was taking place between Galilee and Judea. They would always move from Galilee to Judea, from Judea to Galilee. And from chapter 13 to 21, everything took place in Jerusalem. Everything took place in Jerusalem. The ministry of Jesus, it took about three and a half years, but it had a great impact throughout the history of humankind. So the final moment uh, from chapter 13 up to, Chapter 21, it's almost a week or so, some few days in between. Actually, when he went into Jerusalem again, it was probably on Sunday, and he was, he was arrested on Thursday, then crucified on Friday. So it's about a week. Uh, you know, if you look at from chapter 13 all the way to 21, that whole uh, block of, of chapters, it took about a week uh, to happen. So that's how the book of John uh, should be viewed or summarized when you uh, when you read it that's how you should uh, that's what you should see as you as you continue to uh, to read the book of john now if you look at the writing styles of john you know, we have the prologue that's the beginning of the book and you look at how he, write, he wrote the book he's all his books the book of revelation and the three uh, epistles that he wrote and even the book of john you know john always takes time to introduce jesus to his readers like I said, the main purpose of John is to, f- to help us focus on Jesus as the main character in, in the history of humanity, as the main character in our Christian life. We have to focus on Jesus. And I want to look at, uh, let's look at 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. Let's see how John introduces Jesus to us. He introduces Jesus to us. And, and I like John. I like John. Like a very good professional lawyer. He, he comes with evidence when he introduces Jesus to us. Because he wants us to, to believe that John was a real witness. He saw what he said. He knows what he's talking about. Let's look at First John chapter 1, verse 1. He says, We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning. You see, John starts from the beginning, right from the beginning. He doesn't start from the birth of Jesus because the birth of Jesus is not the beginning. He starts from all the way beyond Genesis chapter 1. If you go to uh, you know, to John chapter 1. He says, in the beginning, there was the word. Here we see him again. He's starting in the beginning. We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning again, whom we have heard and seen. John doesn't say, I heard about him. I read about him. I read on the newspaper about him. I read on the Bible. about He says, I have heard and I have seen him. I listened to him talk. We saw him. He keeps on emphasizing that, John is an eyewitness, he saw Jesus. We saw him with our own eyes. He keeps on emphasizing here. And not only seen him, I personally have touched him. We have touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. He's the word of life. This one who is life itself was revealed to us and we have seen him. He keeps on emphasizing, I have seen Jesus. I've had Jesus, I have typed Jesus. And now we testify and proclaim to you that He's the one who is eternal life. He says eternal life is only found in Jesus and nowhere else. He was with the Father. He came directly from the Father. And then he was revealed to us. So He decided to move from heaven and He came down to earth and he was revealed to us. We proclaim to you what we ourselves, he keeps emphasizing that he has seen this, he knows, he says, that we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And he continues to say, and our fellowship is with the father and with his son, Jesus Christ. So it is through Christ that now we have fellowship, we have relationship with the father, we have connection with the father. We are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. He says, this is the message that we have heard from Jesus and now declare to you, God is light and there is no darkness in him. So here we see John, he keeps on emphasizing. He keeps on emphasizing that Jesus, Jesus, he's the one that we should focus on. Jesus is the only one who is life. His life, his life, he's the only one that you should focus on. You got the book of Revelation, it takes time also to introduce Jesus in the book of Revelation. He does the same thing also, introducing Jesus as the foundation, as the foundation of everything. Now, let's look at the book of Revelation, chapter 1, verse 1. Let's see how John introduces Jesus to us in the book of Revelation, chapter 1, verse 1. He says, This is a revelation of this is a revelation from Jesus, I don't say revelations. Remember I said it's not revelations, it's revelation. This is a book of revelation, not the book of revelations. This is a revelation from Jesus Christ which God gave him to show his servants the events that must soon take place. He sent an angel to present this revelation, not revelations, revelation to his servant John, who faithfully reported Everything he saw, this is his report of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. So here we see John introducing the book of Revelation. He says, this is the revelation of Jesus. So the foundation of everything, John, should be Jesus. Should be Jesus. You know, everything revolves around Jesus. Everything must be must about Jesus. Jesus is the center of our lives. John defines Christ's status before he existed in this world. He tells us about Jesus even before Jesus was born. He tells us who Jesus is and why we should believe him as the Messiah. We should believe him because he came from God. We should believe him because he came from God. And he says... The proof that he came from God, look at the signs. He doesn't call them miracles. He says, look at the signs. Those signs were proof enough to us that Jesus came from God. So John knew Jesus personally and he worked with him personally in ministry. He knows. And he says, Jesus was there from creation. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So to John, To John, you know, when when it comes to incarnation, incarnation is when God becomes man, God becomes flesh. Incarnation is the key to the understanding of Christ. If you look at the book of John chapter one, verse 14, it says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and dwelt among us. Now, that is what we call incarnation. That's what we call incarnation. And John says, he did not only dwell among us, but he also, we also beheld him. So the doctrine of incarnation, which believes that God changed and he became man, and let me talk about it in the next minute or so. God decided to downgrade his status, and he became human, he became flesh. Remember, Christ is God in the flesh, and John challenges us to believe in him. He refers to Christ's miracles as signs, emphasizing their purpose. And the purpose of those signs is to point us to Jesus, to point us to Christ as the Messiah. Let's quickly look at what we call a trichotomy of man or tripartite of man. Genesis chapter 2 verse 10, the Bible says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. This is the key. This is very important. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and chapter 5, verse 23. Let me share my screen with you so you can see what I'm talking about here. This is a key. It's very important for us as Christians to understand these basic scriptures. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. The Bible says, May your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus. Man has three components spirit, body, and has a soul. We are spirit. We are living in a body and we have a soul. You are spirit. You are living in a body and you have a soul. God is spirit. We can only connect with God in spirit. Now, let's go back to the doctrine of incarnation God is spirit. There is no spirit that can live here on earth in the form of spirit. That's what you call a ghost. We call it a ghost. Only physical bodies are allowed to walk on the street, to stay in the house, to live with us. God is spirit. There's no way God will have come here in the form of a spirit. So God had to find a way to come and live here on earth. He had to find a way to come and live here on earth, and that is very important for us to understand that as Christians, as Christians, because let's look at what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 Corinthians fifteen forty. Paul says there are also heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is one, and the glory of the earthly is another, so these are two different dimensions, the heavenly body and the earthly body, the heavenly body is a spirit. The earthly body is the physical body that we have. So Jesus said, but Jesus said to come to live here on earth, he had to come and die for our sins. How would he do that? Because in spirit. There are earthly bodies and there are heavenly bodies. So he will not qualify to live here on earth in the form of a spirit. Because only a physical body is allowed to live here on earth. So the earthly body does not qualify to go to heaven. That's why the Bible says when we die, we'll resurrect in the new body, the heavenly bodies that qualify to live in heaven. The heavenly bodies also do not qualify to live here on earth. The spirit alone is called what we call ghost. The spirit can only live in a body to operate. That's why we are spirit We live in a body so we can operate here on earth. Once the body and the spirit separate, that we call it death. That's when we die. Because a body on itself, a body on its own, it cannot live. It depends on the spirit to be able to live, be able to move, be able to do anything that needs to be done. So for the first time, God had to, to think or had a problem. He could not violate his own rules. When God the son had to come here on earth, when he had to come down here on earth, he needed, he needed a suit an earthly body to function here on earth. He could not function in the form of a spirit. So he had to come in the form of a body. So he wanted to come and die for us, but his heavenly body, his spirit, is not allowed here on earth. How did God solve the problem? And it's just like any other person with two professions. Let's say you're a nurse and a policeman at the same time. You have to put two different uniforms depending on the assignment that you you want to do. The same thing happened with Jesus. He has the heavenly body. When he wanted to come down here on earth, he had to put on what we call an earthly uniform. Jesus had to downgrade and put on an earthly uniform. He had to put on a body, on an earthly body. And God used the body of Mary, used Mary's body to carry Jesus, carry Jesus. Mary is not God. Mary happened to be the mother of Jesus because God used Mary's body to carry Jesus. That is why Jesus has no earthly father. Jesus has no earthly father because it was God who wanted to come down on earth, but he had to come in a normal way. Mary is not God. Her body was only used temporarily to carry God. When he was born, he was called Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? It means God downgraded and he came to be with us. Emmanuel means God is with us. God from a different dimension, God from heaven, he came down and started to live with us. And the Bible says he's the firstborn of God. He's the only begotten son. He's the only type of a son. He's only one of this kind. There's no one else of this kind. That's why when Jesus came down and he called himself, I am. Most people, they don't understand him. I am is the name that he used when he revealed himself to to Moses in Exodus chapter three. Because when when Moses heard from God and God said, I want to send you to go and talk to Pharaoh and the children of Israel. Remember, in Egypt, those Egyptians, they had a lot of gods. They had more than a thousand gods. And all those gods, they had names. There was a god of fertility. A God of finances, a God of health, a God of, I mean, for everything, they had a, they had a God of the dead. They had so many gods. And, and Moses had to ask, now you are saying you are God. Which God should I say you are? When I go back to them, what is the name of the God? What is your name? And God says, I don't have a name. You, you can't pin a pin, 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 pigeonhole me. You can't put me in a box. You can't describe me or else I I'll I will lose my Godhead. He says, I'm not, I'm not man. I don't have a name. I am who I am. I'm everything that you need. If you need healing, I'm your healer. I'm your healer. If you need strength, I'm your strength. If you need salvation, I'm your salvation. If you need protection, I'm your protection. I am who I am. And from that time, on, from that time onwards, up to the New Testament, the, the phrase I am, it was only reserved for God. It was only reserved for God. Nobody had the right to use that phrase, I am. Nobody. Only God had the right to use that phrase, I am. And that is why in the New Testament, when Jesus started to describe himself and he said, I am, they did not understand what he meant. They did not understand what he meant because when they say I am, it means you are God. And that's why they wanted to kill him. Because they said he wants to make himself God. He equated himself to God. He equates himself to God because he says, I am who I am. And Jesus in John chapter 8, 58, he says, before Abraham was, before Abraham was born, I am. Which is very true. He's I am. He's a present help. He's not I was. He's I am. He's alive today. Whatever you need today, he's the great I am. Jesus used the I am construction without compliment. Those who read the the Torah, those who read the Torah, they knew. Those who read the the Tanakh, they knew the Torah is simply the uh, the first five books of the Bible. The Pentateuch. They knew what he meant. Because when he says I am, they knew that that name is only reserved for Yahweh, for Jehovah, nobody else. So They thought he's blasphemous. When he called himself, I am. When he called himself, I am. But John is saying, our main focus, our main focus is Jesus. Jesus is everything. He's the great I am. Everything that you need, is in him. This includes your joy. Your joy is not with another man. Your joy is not with another woman. Your joy is not with it. Your joy, your real joy it was Jesus who was there from the beginning, who is the great I am, who, who can provide everything that you need. Jesus is fully man and fully God. All we need, my brothers and sisters, it's in him. People are human beings. People will disappoint you. Jesus is the only one who can meet all our needs. If you need real joy, if you want to regain your joy, Don't look for joy from other sources. Don't look for joy from, from other people, from things, 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 things. There's nothing that can bring joy into your life. There's no amount of accumulation of things that can bring joy into your life. Real joy is only from Christ. We have to focus on him and him only. If you focus on other things, you are assuring, you are guaranteeing yourself. You are heading towards disappointment, my brother. You are heading towards disappointment, my sister. John says, we have to believe. He says, when I wrote this book, the main purpose for writing the book, it's so that you may believe that Christ is the Messiah. Christ is the only one who can provide all your needs. Your needs will only be met by him, not by another human being not by another man, not by another woman, only on Christ. Our frustrations and problems is that we, we expect another human being to meet our needs. And we get disappointed because another human being cannot meet all your needs. Another human being, they have their own failures. They have their own shortcomings. They also have their own needs by the way. That's why they cannot meet your needs. John says, we should point our faith To Jesus. you have to point our faith to Jesus. Actually, Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. All that you need. I mean all. 100% all. Your joy. Your health. Your strength. Your protection. All that you need is in Jesus. Focus your faith on Jesus. You will never be disappointed. Because he's the only one who can meet your needs. Your happiness, your joy, your safety, your protections, your provision, your peace is in Jesus. Some of you, you think that another person can give you peace, can give you joy. I know some of you are saying, if I can get it, if I can get it, I'll be so happy. If I can get him, I'll be so happy. If I can get it, I'll be so happy. Your your cravings. Your desires are not meant to be fulfilled. Whatever you desire, it will never be fulfilled. When you get it, you'll need more of it. When you get her, you'll just need more of her. When you get him, you'll just need more of him. And you keep going, your desires will continue to be there always. But it's only Jesus who can satisfy that first. It's only Jesus who can satisfy those desires. And it should be the point of focus for your faith. As long as you expect another human being to meet your needs, you are setting yourself up for failure. You are setting yourself up for disappointment. Human beings will disappoint you. As I'm speaking, some of you, your husbands have disappointed you. Your wives have disappointed you. Your children have disappointed you. Because you expected that, oh, he he completes me, she completes me. (laughs) Wait until they disappoint you. Because you expect satisfaction from another human being. You expect satisfaction from things. Some of you think if I can get a 1,000 rand, I'll be complete. If I can get another 10,000, I'll be complete. If I can get another 100, I'll be complete. If I can get a million, oh my goodness, I'll be the happiest man, I'll be the happiest woman in, the, in this world. My brother, my sister, there are people who had millions, not some change, we had real money. But still they were not satisfied and they committed, crime. I mean, uh, they committed suicide. They, they, they committed suicide with all that money. Because that's not where satisfaction comes from. That is not where your joy will come from. Your joy only comes from Christ. I wish I could have. I know some of you are expecting me to come with eight steps, five steps, 12 steps to receiving your joy. I only have one step for you. Your joy only comes from Christ. He was there in the beginning, and he will always be there. That's where your real joy comes from. If you expect joy from another human being, you are setting yourself up for failure and for disappointment. It's my prayer tonight that you'll focus on Christ and make him the Lord of your life. He lived on this earth. He knows what you're going through. He came to experience what you experienced. That is the only reason why God had to change and change and came down and become man, become human being, and he walked on earth. John says, I know him. I stayed with him. I spent time with him. I touched him. I saw him. He walked here on earth. So he experienced everything that we experienced. He experienced the pain that we're experiencing right now. The only time to regain your job, the only time to regain your satisfaction, it's only in Christ. May God help us to know only Christ can satisfy all our needs. Not another human being. Some of you right now as I'm speaking, You are in pain because another human being disappointed you. You are in pain because you expected another human being to please you. Unfortunately, they have failed you and they will continue to fail you until you redirect your point of focus to Christ and Christ alone. Nothing else will satisfy your soul. Let's pray.